With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Who What Wear with Hillary Kerr, your direct line to the designers, stylists, beauty experts, editors, and tastemakers who are shaping the ever-evolving world of fashion. I'm your host, Hillary Kerr, and today I'm joined by the legendary and prolific stylist, Kate Young. Kate is incredibly well-known for dressing massive stars like Selena Gomez and Natalie Portman, but... On today's episode, we're here to talk all things Met. Kate has not only dressed clients for the Met Gala for over a decade, but she actually used to work the event herself when she was an editor at Vogue. As an absolute expert on fashion's favorite night, I was so excited to speak with her right before this year's gala to hear about dressing three of her clients in some of the evening's best looks, Dakota Johnson in Gucci, Julianne Moore in Tom Ford, and Sophie Turner in Louis Vuitton. It's all coming up on Who What Wear. Hey, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you here for a variety of reasons. I think you're amazing and incredibly talented. You are also one of the most influential stylists in the world. You have a crazy bananas roster. We're talking Margot Robbie, Jennifer Lawrence, Selena Gomez. But today we are here to talk about one thing and one thing only, which is arguably the Super Bowl of fashion, a.k.a. The Met Gala, which as of this recording is happening in two days. You are dressing three people. How are you feeling? Are you calm? Are you stressed? What's your vibe? I am pretty calm. There's not much I can do right now. I'm waiting for (laughs) clients to get into town. I've kind of had a stressful week, but um, I feel pretty good about things now. There's always room for a last minute kind of changes, but I think things are pretty settled at this point. I don't have jewelry set for one look. I just need to see it in person before I can choose. And I would love to have that wrapped up already, but say, Livy. You just got to roll with it. So (laughs) let's talk about this theme a little bit, Mm -hmm. which is the second of a two-part series celebrating American fashion. So six months ago, approximately, we had America, a lexicon of fashion, and now we have America, an anthology of fashion. What does that mean? How are you interpreting that theme? And how do you think about this one compared to the last one, which wasn't that long ago? You know, usually I do a lot of research and get really into the theme. And with this one, to be honest, I didn't hear this gilded glamour tagline for this one until like a couple of weeks ago. I read it on Vogue.com. I was like, news to me. So, I mean, I think it would have been worse if I were dressing men because white tie is so specific. But, um, you know, I'm not someone who does really insane over-the-top looks for the Met usually. It's not really my thing. I don't do costume. 
I mean, I always kind of approach the Met Ball with what's appropriate, what would look cool in the space. You know, I worked at Vogue for a long time, so I went to Met Balls and worked at them for years and years and years. And in my mind, I'm always kind of thinking about what the image is going to look like of the Mm. client in the dress. And I still want it to look like them. I still want it to be part of the story that we're creating together. So, I mean, I've been on a real opulence tear of late. Like, I just want to see opulence. I think we've spent two years at home and the world's kind of falling apart. You read the news and it's really hard to feel happy or to feel excited about life. But the truth is life goes on. And like, I, if I'm going to live, want to see some like sparkle and diamonds and glamour. I am really happy for like a moment of of escape. And I think that's what the Met is about. It's like, this is a night of like frivolity. It's an extravaganza. So like with Julianne Moore, she's going with Tom Ford. And the inspiration for that was Jackie Kennedy. We had this picture of Jackie Kennedy at an event and she's wearing, you know, opera length gloves and diamonds. And I think she really symbolizes a lexicon of American fashion in a way, although she wore a lot of French designers. She's like, the epitome of elegance and lots of pictures of her in white tie too. So that was the inspiration with Julianne. And it's quite a classic sort of timeless evening look. And then with Dakota, Dakota's going with Gucci. So opulent extravaganza is their middle name (laughs) is what we're, what we're dealing with. So (laughs) that was fairly straightforward. And, and that look isn't entirely set yet. So it kind of could go one of two ways, but the whole thing is spangled. Any way it goes, there's going to be spangles everywhere. So I think that's our take on gilded glamour is just cover it in crystals. And then for Sophie Turner, Sophie's super pregnant. And she's wearing Louis Vuitton. And Louis Vuitton has a whole concept, this Met Ball, which is that they're not making anything new as an eco move. So people are re-wearing dresses they've worn before. They're wearing dresses other people have worn. They're wearing, I mean, I don't know what other people are wearing, but the idea was the dress needed to exist. So, you know, it was interesting. It was really fun going through all the Louis Vuitton archive and seeing what would look good on Sophie and what would suit her body right now. So she's wearing an older Louis Vuitton dress that's fully studded. And we're really going for the theme more in her hair and makeup than in her dress. That's so incredible on so many levels. I have great visuals off the top of my head, but also as a detail and historical nerd who likes research, going through archives feels like the dreamiest possible opportunity. I mean, I can't even imagine what you saw. Well, you know, I scheduled it for like an hour and I was there forever because I've worked with Louis Vuitton so much and so many of the dresses hold memories for me. And they have such great events that, you know, I remember dancing with someone in this dress and, oh my God, I remember this dress. This was such a fun night or, you know, oh God, that was a stressful fitting. And it was fun. And I was there for a while. I mean, next time, can I come in your bag? Can you just like hide (laughs) me so that I can watch? Because that feels amazing. Okay. So I was just thinking about how the fact that like Tom Ford has been very vocal about the fact that he thinks the Met Gala has turned into a costume party, Mm -hmm. but still obviously cares and participates. So it will be very interesting to see that look. And I'm very excited about it. But I also love the fact like you're working with such a range of clients who work with such a range of brands. And I know that 
who gets invited and what designer they go with can be a complicated, nuanced process that I will not ask you to comment on. However, I will ask you to walk me through a little bit of how you matchmake even within, like, for example, with Dakota, who works with Gucci. Do you have an idea? Do they have a specific thing that they're going for? Like, what is that process like? I wish I had an easy answer for this. The process is completely different with every designer and every celebrity. Every designer works in a different way. Every actress works in a different way. Like I have some who I kind of text everything. They're basically, they're on a thread as much as my assistant is and they really know what's happening and what's available. And some who just kind of want to show up and be shown the options and be told my preference. And then we make a decision and that's that. And with designers, some designers just make the dress and present the dress. And then it's a matter of sort of, putting my opinion in on fit. You know, you in the fitting process, you can change a lot about a dress. You can change the architecture of the dress in an early fitting. So sometimes I'm just kind of presented with the dress and then we deal from there. And sometimes it's from sketches, like, you know, here are seven sketches, pick one. Because I kept thinking about the fact that Normally, it would seem that it would be more about the client's vision and your vision, but then the Met feels a little different where it's more almost designer-led in that sense, correct? A hundred percent. So unless you're invited by Vogue and then you can kind of wear whatever you want, you are going with a designer who bought your ticket and you are there to embody their vision for this Met Gala. And so there is always a collaboration. I mean, I think it's why designers and actresses work well together because everybody's an artist and they like collaboration and they like, they get inspired by each other. But for me as a stylist, when a designer is taking an actress, I have a lot less control than I do when it's like the Oscars where I have a rail of dresses and I'm saying like, this is the dress. For the Met, it's like the designer saying, this is the dress. And I'm going like, how are we making this look like her? So it's so funny because it's like everybody said, you said in the intro, it's the Super Bowl of fashion. And I'm like, for me, I'm like, can is the Super Bowl of fashion. Can is like the most important actresses in the world, plus tons of supermodels who come over for beauty and jewelry contracts. They're wearing couture and there's like beach lighting and those stairs and all of that, like they're probably going to end up drinking champagne and dancing on a yacht. Like for me, it's a real fantasy where like I've worked at the Met Ball a bunch. I live in New York. It, It lacks a lot of the glamour that Ken has for me. So I think of it as the Super Bowl because it's a spectacle and it's a very American mm. spectacle. And then I've always thought of Cannes as more like the Olympics, <laughs> like where it's international. Yeah. And and it's really about individual talent in that way. But I hear what you're saying completely. And I love the fact that you still are thinking through, though, to your point of when you see the lineup of all of the looks that your client has worn, it can't be like vibe, 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 looks like a carrot, vibe, vibe, vibe. (laughs) It has to all be part and parcel. Right. Well, I also, I have to say, I mean, I have no insider information whatsoever. This is not some like hot tip, but I think this like white tie gilded glamour theme is probably a way to say like, this isn't a costume party. You know, this isn't like Philly on New Year's Day. This is not a mummer's parade. This is a serious white tie event at a museum and it's being hosted by Vogue. So look appropriate. I read it like (laughs) 
Y'all got too out of hand last year. (laughs) This is a Vogue event. Get it together, people. Yeah. So how do you think through, obviously, I know every stylist is different and their client is different, but so much of the overall effect of something is in all of the details. The garment is one thing, but the jewelry and the hair and makeup, like these are Mm -hmm. huge make or break moments. How do you think about that process, especially for something like the Met? Like how early does it start? How collaborative is it? Or is this one area where you're like, okay, I might not have had as much of a say in this area as I would have liked. So we're going to make sure that this part feels very much like my client or whatever it may be. The jewelry happens a little more last minute for the Met than it does for bigger events because we have to wait for the jewelry to get here. Oh, from vaults and stuff? Yeah, because like during awards season, jewelers pull jewelry from all over the world to have in LA because they know they'll need it. And they have to do the same for the Met. You know, we think of these houses as like having endless supply of necklaces and stuff. But in fact, that's not true. And they sell. A surprising amount of them sell. So, you know, I was at Cartier this morning and they have like four necklaces or something because the others were coming for people at their table. But, you know, one came from Hong Kong and another came from Dubai. And so it's a little bit last minute because they can't have all those pieces sitting around, not being viewed by clients. And then, you know, they have stores with no stock. So I can't plan as far in advance as I'd like to. Like the earrings I wanted for Julianne sold. I picked them a month ago, six weeks ago, and somebody bought them. And they won't let you borrow them for one night? No. No, like (laughs) if you ever look at couture shows and you say like, these are great dresses, why hasn't someone worn it? And it's because it's sold. And people who buy couture and people who buy jewelry do not think it's cool to have a celebrity wear it. They bought it so they can wear it. And that's the other part of couture. It's like you can buy out a look too, right? Yeah. So that you are literally the only person on earth who has it. Couture is like the original NFT, like a hundred years ago, right? Like when Christian Dior first came to the US, he came and he introduced ready-to-wear Dior. And in the past, what would happen is that the sales ladies from like Neiman Marcus and Bergdorf would go to Paris and they would buy Dior Couture. And when you buy the dress, you own the design so you can reproduce it. So you could buy Dior dresses at Neiman Marcus that were manufactured in America that were Dior because they had bought the couture dress because you own the rights to that design. So if a client buys the couture dress, you'll never see a celebrity wear it. That is so incredible on so many levels. So when something like that happens, when you've had the earrings mm-hmm. picked for a month and then they sell, what do you what do? You do? I'm kind of used to it. It's happened to me before. <laughs> I mean, there's a Chanel couture customer who I was trying to romance. I kept having lunch with her and being like, you have this dress I want. How'd that go? No, it didn't work. Ugh, yet. <laughs> didn't work yet. Let's not give up on it, Kate. <laughs> do you find that your clients approach the Met differently than they do Cannes or the Oscars or any other major red carpet event? Or is it all somewhat similar? I think they're always a little more nervous. It's a weird event for them because they don't have their people with them. They have to go alone. So I think they feel a little bit more anxious than they normally do. And they're used to a a fair amount of... Handlers. Buffers. Yeah, exactly. I think that's actually like one of my favorite parts about it because it's like, yeah, remember you used to go to things like this. Just saying, just pointing that out. Mm -hmm. So... The Virgo in me is very curious about the logistics of all of this. Mm -hmm. So how does that day actually run? Because 
three people, lots of things going on. There are very precise times that everyone has to leave and show up. I mean, it's choreographed practically. So how do you think through that day? How far in advance do you work through that choreography, for lack of a better way of putting it? The first thing I try to do, and I, I have only successfully done it, I think once or twice, is to have everybody get ready in the same hotel. You know, I mean, there are two hotels that most people stay in. They stay in the Carlisle on the Mark. And they're an utter nightmare because there's paparazzi and fans outside. And they both are small boutique hotels with small elevators that don't run super quickly. So I end up running between the hotels and running up and down the stairs because if I waited for the elevator, I'd never, ever see anyone. So I try to get everybody in the same hotel together. In general, it's the same way I do most big shows where I have a lot of people going to the same thing, which is that I have one assistant with each client and I tend for big events to ask old assistants to come back so that everybody's with somebody they know and they're comfortable with. And then I'm going this year, which I don't always go, but when I go, I'm always like super excited and flattered and feel like validated that I got invited. And then as it approaches, it's such a disaster because, you know, like I have to work. So (laughs) this Monday I will get my hair and makeup done at like 10 in the morning. And then I will go to my first two clients. I think I'll stop in on one, see her, stop in on the other, see her, stop back in. They're both in the same hotel, so I can kind of bop between them for a little while, and then I have to leave, and I have to go to the third client where I will change and get my hair and makeup touched up and leave with her. I mean, I the last time I went, my hair and makeup was done in 10 minutes. You know, like everybody else has three hours and somebody zipping their dress, and I was like... <laughs> like zipping my own dress and getting my makeup done in two seconds. And then I'm like supposed to look the best I've ever looked in my entire life. And in fact, I've been like running stairs at the mark, <laughs> pushing room service trays out of the way. Like I probably smelled like I'd been at the gym. It's not that practical an invitation for me to accept, but. But especially as someone who came up working at behind the scenes, knows that side of it to be on the other side, to be an actual guest, knowing all of the labor that's going into it would feel really validating, as you said. Yeah. So that said, can you tell me what you're wearing? I'm wearing Gucci. (laughs) That's really exciting. (laughs) I am delighted by that on a number of levels. Okay. So we've heard stories over the years of like people having to stand while they're going so that there aren't wrinkles or like, you know, something breaking at the last second and someone having to sew their client in. So I'm curious about any of your tips or tricks for massive moments like this to make sure that everything is wrinkle-free, staying where it should, not falling off. I mean, my number one tip that I learned kind of the hard way, and I think it's like the best piece of advice I could give to any celebrity stylist is like when you get to the room where they're going to have the hair and makeup done at the beginning, try the dress on then. And that way you accomplish a number of things. You know that the zipper works. You know that it fits because, you know, a woman's measurements change three times a day. So like, just to check everything with hair and makeup, you usually have two or three hours. You can solve things in that much time, you know? And creatively for the hair and makeup, I think it's really good for them to see the dress in person and to like look at it and look at her in the dress and they know what they're dealing with in a way. And 
I always do that because one time we went to put on the dress and the alterations were off and I had to sew it and it was a disaster. And I mean, that was like 15 years ago, but I will never forget it. It was awful. Yeah. I did. I had Nina Dobrov wore a 3D printed glass dress one year and she did go in a sprinter and Vogue had to be alerted because she couldn't sit in a chair. She had like a little stool she could sit in because her dress was hard, you know, she couldn't sit back on anything. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The things that we all love and do for fashion. That's amazing. So you, more than almost anyone in the industry, have like a real comprehensive understanding of the Met in a way that is very unique. I'm curious about some of your favorite themes of Met Gala's past and favorite looks. Oh, wow. I mean, I am a big fan of all the socialites and the editors. I feel like now the Met Gala is so star-studded that you don't see those people. And seeing what the insiders wear is really, I used to like scour for pictures of Camilla Nickerson. And I love Lauren Santa Domingo always does something fun. Tabitha Simmons, Fabiola Barracasa always wears like diamonds she owns, which is fabulous. These women dress up a lot. They're good at it, you know, and this is a New York City social event. So they take it quite seriously and I really care what they wear. My favorite Met dress ever. I think it's like not a grand Met dress at all. But the first Met I worked at was the Versace Met. And I was Anna's assistant and I was very much the person in the movie. I stood behind her and whispered who everybody was in her ear. And Courtney Love had had a reinvention that year. And she came in like a really sexy draped Versace short dress. And uh, I loved Courtney Love and seeing her in person and seeing her in that dress and being, you know, I grew up not far from here. So like I went to the Met all the time as a kid, like being in that room and the flowers are insane. Like the whole thing was really overwhelming and fabulous. And like, I will never, ever forget that. Anna wore this metal Versace dress that year that was incredible. And it weighed like 40 pounds. And I remember getting really scared because I was standing behind her and I could see how heavy it was. And I could see it like sinking into her skin. And I was like, how am I going to make this not hurt her for the whole night? You know, like (laughs) just the practicalities of it and the intimacy of it was really cool. And back then, the Met used to used to be able to buy tickets and all the assistants and like the design studios for all the designers in New York used to go. It was a dance party in the main hall when all the guests were leaving dinner. All the kids were dancing in the main hall and it was super fun. So I have amazing memories of that, too. That's incredible. Also, I you just brought up a point, which I hadn't thought of for a minute, but there have to be so many practical considerations for this because thinking of the weight of something and then can they walk? Do you have them practice walking upstairs, your clients? Because they have to be able to walk upstairs. And often, like if it's something heavy or tailored in a narrow way, I feel like that could present all kinds of logistical issues. The narrow thing, 100%. You know, those stairs, that building, the Met steps are spaced in a way that it's impossible to walk up them fast. And the architect did it so that plebeians, like the uneducated masses who would come to the Met would have to like genuflect on their way up that they wouldn't be able to like run up in a sloppy fashion. And so those steps are actually pretty easy to walk up. You're not going to like trip on those stairs. They're not steep. They're like deliberately slow paced steps. 
So Courtney Love would also Mm -hmm. be like a really iconic moment for me. Is there anyone else who you get excited about seeing or anyone who on a year like this, when you know that you're going, where you're like, oh, I'm really excited to see this person in person? I want to see the flowers. (laughs) The flowers are crazy. (laughs) You laugh. No, I love it. It's crazy that they don't show them really. Like you don't get a sense of it. You're like, oh yeah, there's a wall of roses. But when you walk into a room with a 40 foot wall of roses, first of all, the smell. Yeah. It's insane. It's like a physical presence in the room. The flowers are like next level. Like the production on this, it's wild that they don't show more of it, I think. Like Vogue keeps it so private, but that part of it, you just don't see it. So I'm really like looking at pictures is not the same as the experience. So I'm like dying to see that. I'm excited to see the exhibition too. I haven't seen it yet. And I feel like this one has to be particularly special too because you know, obviously things are not back to 2019 standards, but everyone's in a safer place. So I feel like there has to be Mm. a level of excitement around community, which, you know, we've all been lacking for years now at this point. Yeah, I think, I mean, everybody wants to go to a party, right? Or a wedding or like anything. (laughs) Very much so. Okay. So aside from that, can we do a little quick round of some of your favorite things in the fashion space for our audience? Sure. Do you have a favorite trend for this spring and summer? I mean, I'm really psyched about like the continuation of comfortable shoes and comfortable (sighs) shoes that look cool. Like I'm psyched about weird fashion Tevas and Birkenstocks and sneakers and that they're continuing, you know, like it wasn't just a flash in the pan because like, especially as a New Yorker, I like to walk everywhere, but I also care how I look. So like, I am really excited about those shoes and I think they look cool. Okay. What is your favorite like everyday item in your closet? Something that you wear all the time that you love, that makes you feel great, but isn't necessarily something trendy or crazy or elaborate, just a great workhorse. I mean, I bought these trousers from The Row a year and a half ago, and I've worn them more than I've worn almost anything I've ever purchased. And when I bought them, they were super expensive. And I was like, ugh, do I really need to spend this much money on a pair of pants? I really waffled on it. And I wore them today. I wore them two days ago. I probably wore them two days before that. I just love them. And like when I'm in a rush, I know I can throw them on. And they're by far the best purchase I've made in years. What do they look like? Why are they so great? They're navy blue, high-waisted, wide-leg pants with a pleat in the front. And they just look like super chic. I feel put together when I have them on. I love it when you can figure out a go-to like that where you're like, no one will know that I wore Mm -hmm. these two days ago. And I look great every time I wear them. And it's like wardrobe shorthand. Yeah. So I'm curious about who interests you right now in terms of emerging designers. Like who are you paying attention to? Who are you excited about? Who are you loving? One of my best friends is Victor Glamot. And I am really excited about what he's doing. I think that, you know, he's been making clothes for a while. He's not like a super brand new designer, but I think that it's gone to the next level. 
what he's doing is super clever and where women are right now. A lot of male designers talk about loving women. You know, there's always this like idea of, of loving women. And then they reference like Cher and Barbie and you're like, it's not indicative of a real woman. But what Victor's done is like his collection is all knits. He makes these super sexy dresses. They're bright and they're sexy. They have cutouts. They're like party dresses, or you could wear them like to the beach with flats. But they're comfortable. They're kind of like a fancy version of a sweatpant. We've all gotten so used to being comfortable and there's no zippers and there's no binding yourself up or feeling uncomfortable. So there's he's created this language where you can be super glamorous and sexy and stylish, but still feel like you're wearing a tracksuit. And I can't think of anything more modern than that. And he's size inclusive and he's age inclusive and it feels very relevant to the life we're all living right now. Yeah, I know. I'm like, zippers? I don't know her. Yeah. She's not my friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so what about shopping and online retailers? I like Net-A-Porter. I like matches. I like Moda. I don't think there's any big secrets there. I really like shopping for vintage online. And there are places that are more obvious. Like I love Reese. I really like First Dibs, but it's super expensive a lot of the time. I like Desert Vintage, but I love Etsy too. You can really go down on a hole on Etsy and find amazing stuff. Like I have bought amazing clothes on Etsy. And I find it really satisfying to buy things that way too because the dress I'm going to wear to the party tonight is a vintage dress I bought in a French vintage store years ago. But it doesn't matter that it's from years ago. It was vintage then and I liked it and it fit me well. And like it's still vintage so it doesn't feel old and I know nobody else will be wearing it. It doesn't feel dated. Like I find when you when you get a vintage thing that really suits you, it's like a treasure that will stay with you because it's not really so merged to our like timely fashion we're in right now. Agreed. I mean, you're speaking to someone who half of my closet is vintage probably. Mm. Okay. What about accessories? What accessories are you loving right now? In terms of bags, I just got this cool white Loewe bag, sort of shaped like a fanny pack, I guess, but it's more of a shoulder bag. And I just think it'll look cute in summer, like the crisp whiteness of it. In terms of jewelry, I don't know. I'm considering getting lots more piercings in my ear. I keep liking how people look with all these piercings. And Maria Tash is right down the street from my office. And I keep walking by being like, not today, tomorrow. But my son wants to get his ear pierced. So I think maybe we'll go together and I'll get like five and he can get one. And then for shoes... I haven't bought my shoes for summer. I got a fisherman sandal from the row last year, and I think that still will work this year. Beyond that, I haven't sussed out my look for spring yet. You know, it's funny. I The older I get, the longer I work in fashion, the less interested I am necessarily in that update unless it really speaks to me. Like I mm -hmm. ended up with a low-platform suede Kate lace-up sandal last summer mm. that... I just like, I have no appetite for looking at shoes because I was like, it's perfect. But I think that's something to do with fashion right now too. I think there's a little bit of same, same. Yeah. We're in a little bit of the doldrums. I think it'll change because a lot the clothes that are available now were designed during a dark time and people only had references that they could get on their phones and everybody was looking at the same references. 
it's weird that you can get the same black long sleeve knit dress with a sweetheart neckline from like seven designers. There was a black one shoulder evening gown on the runway at Yves Saint Laurent and at Valentino and at Dior. So I think next spring there's going to be like 42 new sandals and you're going to be like, oh my God. There we go. I think that the repercussions (laughs) of the pandemic is that design was a little flat and buyers were a little scared and there's not that much on offer right now. And everything feels safe. Mm -hmm. Which makes sense. I get it. Who wants to be stuck with a bunch of inventory? But still at the same time, I'm like, "Hmm." yeah. What about what's your go to casual outfit? So like if you have your row pant for when you need to look pulled together and like in a hurry, what if you Mm -hmm. don't need to look pulled together necessarily? What if it's just (laughs) a weekend and you're not going to see anyone? Like what's your casual outfit go to? On weekends, I usually just wear like jeans and sweater. What jeans? So I bought jeans off an influencer's Instagram and I love them. They're from my essential wardrobe. So I wear those. And then sweaters. I really like sweaters from Alexandra Golovinoff, which is in Paris. But Lore Hedyard sells them at her store, the Webster, but she has a shop in Paris. And I really like those sweaters. I like those in Elder Statesman. Oh, gosh, yes. And then like sneakers. I wear like Nikes or Golden Goose or Gucci sneakers because I still like to be sort of like fancy and bougie. Okay, so obviously everyone is going to be so excited to see all of your clients. Do you have anything else coming up that our listeners should be on the lookout for? What are you excited about? Well, Can starts May 15th. Can is a week away. It never stops. Well, you're going to have to talk to me about that once it's all done. (laughs) I'd love some backstory and some analysis because clearly that's where your heart is. Yeah. I am excited for you. And, And now you're free. This was like really dreamy for me. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. A huge thank you to stylist Kate Young for joining me today. Make sure to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. And while you're there, I'd also be so grateful if you would rate and review us. If you have any guest suggestions or any other feedback, drop us a line at podcast at whowhatwhere.com or you can find us on social at whowhatwhere. See you next Wednesday on Who What Wear with Hillary Kerr. This episode was produced by Hilary Kerr and Olivia Capaletti. Editing is by Natalie Thurman and Treehouse Recording in Los Angeles, California. Our music is by Jonathan Leahy. 